This is episode 506 of the AWS podcast, released on February 20th, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Leisure here with you. Great to have you back. I'm joined by not one, but two very special guests to talk to us about something pretty interesting, which is the AWS Cloud Control API. So first, I'd like to welcome Jay McConnell, who's a principal developer advocate here at AWS. G'day, Jay. Hey, thanks a lot, Simon. And Rahul Sharma, who's a senior product manager here at AWS as well. G'day, Rahul. Hi, Simon. Excited to be here. Glad to have you both here because uh, this is something new and cool and interesting. Uh, and at a high level, we've talked about this before on the podcast, particularly around sort of reinvent time, but let's dive deep. This is our chance to get into the guts of what this thing is. So maybe Rahul, let's start with who is this for? <laughs> what is it and who is it for? Uh, absolutely, Simon. I think that's a, that's a great question to start this conversation off. And the way I describe this is cloud control API is targeted to three distinct customer segments. First, uh, it's the builders. Builders essentially are those who use AWS's service-specific APIs and SDKs directly. Basically, the users who require using low-level AWS service APIs rather than higher-level tools. That's segment number one. The second customer segment are AWS partner network partners. These are those solution builders or SaaS solution providers such as infrastructure as code, configuration management partners, cloud security portion management partners, among many others, who build their tooling on top of AWS using control plane APIs. And then finally, uh, Simon, there's a third segment of customers who are developers who use these partner tools themselves. Like think of essentially customers or like shared customers of AWS and these partner solutions who use an, a third party infrastructure as code tool or third-party configuration management tool, for that matter. So, so if there are already these sort of these types of users and APIs that they use, what were you trying to solve for these particular folks? Yeah, so for, for each of these segments that we outlined, Simon, we identified a unique set of opportunity or challenge that these segments were facing themselves. And that was essentially the genesis, or like that gave the birth to the idea of Cloud Control API. So what I can do perhaps is just go one by one through the challenge that each of the segments that I outlined earlier faced, mm, mm. if that works fine. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, perfect. So the first segment that is the builders that we talked about, what we learned from these users is that there was an opportunity or a need to standardize APIs to interact with hundreds of AWS services and third-party services as well. And you may wonder why was that a case for that example, for, for that matter. First and foremost, as you understand, as applications become more and more sophisticated, we hear from builders that they end up interacting with several AWS and even third-party services. Now, what's interesting here is that for each of these services, there are distinct service-specific APIs with their own set of characteristics and behavior. A classic example here is, you have services like Amazon EC2, uh, Amazon Kinesis, AWS Lambda, among so, so others, wherein each of the APIs here are distinct in their naming or have distinct input parameters or even response outputs as well. 
Similarly, to create, to have a complete workflow-based operations, many a times for these services, you had to string together several API calls to get to say a fully formed create uh, workflow. So what we heard from certain builders was that while they found these distinct service-specific APIs descriptive and intuitive, they wanted a more standardized or a consistent set of APIs to manage their cloud infrastructure in order to minimize, if I may use that word, the time it takes to author and maintain code while they're building their application infrastructure. So that was one challenge that we identified or an opportunity to have consistent APIs or consistent control plane APIs to interact with hundreds of AWS and even third-party services. Hmm. The second problem, in, uh, Simon, uh, was very specific to the partners that we talked about, infrastructure as core partners, such as Terraform by HashiCorp, Pulumi, and other partners that we talked about was a solution that simplifies integration with the latest AWS services and features. And, and the reason behind that is since AWS was born, we have continued our pace of innovation to solve unique customer use cases or unique customer pain points. Uh, in the last year itself, we had over 2,700 significant new launches uh, in 2020, I mean, and we today support over 200 plus services. What we heard from these partners is that it would often take sometimes a few weeks or even months to integrate or keep up with AWS's pace of innovation. And they had to like do these integrations one by one with individual services and features. So the challenge or the opportunity that we identified was, can we simplify integration with the latest AWS services and features through a one, through a single solution? So that was the second challenge or opportunity that we identified. And finally, it's the developers who use these AWS partner tools who who wanted, or like basically our shared customers wanted day one support or close to day one support for new features and services as and when they're launched. And this was primarily to stay, uh, like keep up with AWS's pace of innovation and also have faster time to market for their application infrastructure, which was one of the challenges which happened because it would take a little longer for these partner tools to keep up with AWS's innovations. So these were the three challenges that exist. And if I were to summarize, essentially, the need for or an opportunity to have standardized APIs. Second was a solution to simplify integration with the latest AWS services and features. And third was having day one or close to day one support for new services and features of AWS. I, th I think that's interesting because really it speaks to that desire for, for simplicity, but also speed. And when building services, you know, there's the desire for consistency, but also the desire for speed, and they, they don't always go together. Yeah. So maybe, Jay, maybe let me come to you and, and talk us through Cloud Control API specifically and what it is and, and how it really focuses on the, the challenges that Rahul expressed. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's a, it's a new AWS capability that attempts standardization across all of AWS service APIs. And the way we approach that is via a set of common verbs that we use. So we've got create, read, update, uh, delete, which is commonly called CRUD, those four together. And then we've got an additional one for list. So pretty much all APIs you know, have some mechanism to do those four things. But in some cases, they would be called, you know, in the case of EC2, you'll have, you know, both a, a list and a read call would be called describe. 
EC2 instance. In the case of S3 bucket, that API is actually called like list buckets or uh, get bucket configuration. So you've got this kind of sprawl. So what Cloud API does is it gives you these common verbs that you can use across all of the different AWS services. And then on top of that, it, it gives you a mechanism to not to understand when the provisioning of that resource is completed. So a lot of uh, AWS APIs and uh, APIs in general are, are asynchronous. So when you mm -hmm. call a create operation, that resource is, is sometimes not ready to use immediately. So Cloud Control API standardizes that as well, where once Cloud Control API says that is done, that resource is now in fact ready to use. So as a developer, I no longer need to think about like what kind of delays do I need to put in here? What kind of polling do I need to know do uh, before I move on to that next operation that I need that resource for? So it's really simplifying that interaction so that you, you sort of have one lexicon uh, and away you go. Absolutely. And, you know, this enables things like code generation. You know, with these disparate APIs, you really needed a human to read through each and every one of the AWS services and kind of work out how to do it. Uh, with Cloud Control API, you can deal with all of your AWS APIs as cattle and, uh, you know, just generate the code that operates against them. So can you give us an example of a, a couple of uh, customers that are using this and how they're using it directly? Sure. Um, so like in, in broad strokes, you know, there's some key segments that are, are inter really interesting here. Um, you know, infrastructure as code is, is one of the spaces. Raul mentioned uh, Terraform, Pulumi. Uh, you know, they have this problem when dealing with AWS APIs that they're kind of a little bit behind launch date. So when a new service or, or capability is released, they need to retroactively, you know, go in, work out how that works and have developers write support for that service. With Cloud Control API, they just need to regenerate their definitions and they have day one or sometimes close to day one support for new AWS services. So the infrastructure is code space. It's, it's really interesting there. Uh, the other space is kind of like account cleanup, uh, inventory, CMDB, uh, th those kind of tools uh, that which mm. are faced with the same problem. You know, if I want to list all of the AWS resources in an account, I need to generate support for each of those resources. So for tools that do account, account cleanup, uh, there's a, a really interesting tool, open source tool called AWS Nuke. Uh, up to now, you know, they've had <laughs> to generate support for each and every AWS service. With Cloud Control API, they would be able to support, uh, you know, new services as they're launched. They can nuke everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which, which really ties into with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Jay, help us decode this one because, you know, if I'm sitting here, I've got CloudFormation, I've got CDK, I've got the base APIs, and now I've got Cloud Control API. How, how do I compare, contrast, and choose? Yeah, so, I mean, CloudFormation and CDK are infrastructures as code tools. So they provide an orchestration layer on top of what Cloud Control API does. Um, so I would kind of put those separately in, in one bucket. Um, Cloud Control API, you could think of more as control plane as a service for AWS as a base adapter layer that allow, allows any control plane into action. Um, so it's kind of like a, the translator piece versus the declarative piece. Exactly. It doesn't handle the orchestration of, of multiple resources. So, you know, with that freedom, 
you know, a lot of use cases don't fit into an infrastructure as code story, like an account cleanup tool or a, a CMDB tool. Those would only need read APIs. Uh, so cloud control API fits that kind of niche. And then, you know, CloudFormation and, and, and CDK are both infrastructures, code tools. The way I like to think about it is that CDK is a higher level abstraction on top of CloudFormation, where you can use an imperative programming language to configure your AWS resources if you so choose to. So I think the decision is made, you know, in terms of customer comfort. Are you more comfortable working in, in YAML and JSON? If so, CloudFormation is where you should head. If you're a, a dev team and you own your own infrastructure, probably look at CDK first because you have your, you know, your neck deep in, in Java or Python already, right? Mm. Mm. Oh, makes sense. Makes sense. Now, Rahul, coming back to sort of, I guess, the, the, the origins and the, the how we built Cloud Control API. I mean, it's one of those interesting things that, you know, you look at it and go, well, makes perfect sense. How hard can it be? But let's have a look at some insight into, into actually that process and how you figured out what to build and how to build it. Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to walk um, you through and any of our listeners through as well. So uh, as, as you're aware, like each product launch begins with ideation and like concept and a concept phase and then early validation and then we roll it out from there right so was ours like the first stage was obviously the ideation bit and our ideation or the or the inspiration behind this was actually from customer and uh, customer feedback that we heard ourselves from cloud formation users basically and within within cloud formation we actually undertook a journey starting in 2018 and our journey involved switching from an internal resource coverage model, which was older and tightly coupled implementation to a more self-service or a decoupled mechanism. And, and the core idea here was the feedback that we heard from CloudFormation customers and users was that how can we stay ahead of the curve when it comes to resource coverage or like resource support for new mm -hmm. AWS service and features. And our journey essentially began in 2018, as I was talk talking about, from a tightly coupled internal implementation to a self-service and a decoupled mechanism. What I mean by that is this actually allowed individual AWS service teams to build CloudFormation support in a decoupled way to ensure coverage or their features and capabilities are av available typically on the day of launch. We then externalized this entire concept in 2019 at reInvent with the launch of CloudFormation registry and the CloudFormation CLI or the command line interface. And just for, for our listeners to also just like uh, listen through the ideation phase was like this registry is essentially a place to discover and consume resources. And CLI is basically an open source client uh, that lets developers build these extensions. But while this was the, I would say, laid the foundation for an idea or an approach to solve this internally within CloudFormation and for AWS, we realized that we have an opportunity to actually externalize this completely. So we laid the foundation through CloudFormation registry and we realized we can solve the resource coverage problem at scale for customers who are not just using CloudFormation, but are using a range of AWS partner tools, such as uh, Terraform by HashiCorp, Pulumi, or other potential partner tools in configuration management, cloud security posture management, or other spaces. So the way you can think of this is, obviously, as Jay mentioned to you earlier in our discussion, that how is cloud control API really different from cloud formation? 
uh, one other important point to emphasize here is that cloud formation obviously is an infrastructure and as code service but at the very base of cloud formation is the resource provider layer for aws right and resource providers are basically provisioning logic which are built by individual aws service teams so our concept was to take this resource provider model of cloud formation and externalize this using cloud control api in doing so we also wanted to address the opportunity of standardizing control plane operations using CRUD and list APIs for hundreds of AWS resources, as Jay talked about. In fact, I would also perhaps uh, invite Jay to talk about some of the other potential use cases of consistent APIs or consistent CLI experience, if I may, uh, Simon, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Jay, Jay, how does it make a difference to that that experience? Because I think I think this this whole um, capability really speaks to the experience of the user. Absolutely. And, you know, up to now we've been talking around, you know, what's the partner experience like? What's the the integrator's experience like? This presents a, a great opportunity for like end developers that are touching CLIs, that are having to work in the SDKs every day. And, you know, from firsthand experiences being somebody that's been been doing that day in, day out for the last, you know, eight odd years, you know, I'm constantly in the documentation. I'm, I'm flipping from my IDE out to the documentation, looking for how do I know when my EC2 instance is ready to use? What's the polling loop that I need to do here to, to wait for that consistent state? Um, with Cloud Control API, I don't need to think about that anymore. I can use a common set of verbs and expect a consistent output. So, you know, to that end, uh, I've been kind of toying around with an open source project which I've called Cloud CTL. And the aim of it is to experiment with what if we had a next generation AWS CLI that approached things in terms of a very, very, very structured self-documenting approach. So that project's available on, on GitHub today. Uh, it's under J-A-Y-M-C-C-O-N slash Cloud CTL. Would love definitely. to get community feedback on that. Definitely link that in the show notes. I think that's that's really interesting. One one of the big challenges with with any uh, capability or solution like this is how quickly it can support new stuff. And and you know it's one thing to promise stuff; it's another thing to prove that you can keep up with the pace and, and represent a good cadence. Rahul, can you give us a bit of I guess a flavour of of the progress since launch with respect to coverage and, and what that's looking like? Yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, Simon. And I think that that's a really important uh, question for our customers as well, because we, within Cloud Control API, we recognize that we don't have 100% resource coverage today, right? Uh, but we are committed to making progress towards adding more and more resources, especially those resources that are, like, say, across, um, be it the compute space, networking, database, among other family of resources that get supported. So we are actively working towards that. Um, and in fact, happy to share some progress that since launch in September 2021, Cloud Control API has added support for over 90 resources till date uh, over the last, I would say, three and a half months now, or slightly north of three and a half months. And these more than 90 plus resources comprise both net new resources, which are comprised of anything new, any net new services or features that were released 
in the time frame, including like launches at reInvent, some of which Cloud Control API supported on day one, such as CloudWatch RUM, CloudWatch Evidently, AWS Resilience Sub, amongst others. But at the same time, we also supported or add, we continue to add support of some of the resources mm. of services which were launched uh, a couple of years back, right? Uh, so we've added support for uh, IAM role. We have added support for a bunch of resources in the in the in the EC two family, amongst others as well. So and and you would see over the next few months as well, we will continue to add support for some of the resources that we hear our customers speak and like who who need resources on cloud control API. This would include resources in the database family, in the networking family, uh, compute amongst others that'll get supported on Cloud Control API in the next couple of months. So we are really excited about that. I'm in fact happy to speak to our listeners as well who would like to understand why is there a gap in coverage as we speak or like why is it that we don't have parity with CloudFormation resources? If if that helps, happy to walk through that as well. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting just to help have a, a brief mental model of, of where the match will happen and where there'll be a gap. Yeah, yeah. So... So why there is so there there are actually a few reasons why there is a gap and it's actually intentional on why we support a subset of these resources. So first and foremost, we have a universe of resources that CloudFormation supports, but a subset of which is supported by Cloud Control API. And Cloud Control API today supports all the fully mutable and immutable resource types that are available on CloudFormation registry. What we mean by that is essentially a union of resources that have the appropriate read and list handler implementation that align with the expected behavior we have outlined as part of Cloud Control API, as part of like resource contract, right? What we have what we have identified is that there are a set of resources which can be provisioned via CloudFormation, but for the purposes of Cloud Control API and the standardization and consistency that Jay talked about earlier, we want to ensure that there is uniformity in input parameters and appropriate uh, and, and response element based on the downstream APIs that exist for these services. So we are aware of this. And as I mentioned, we are actively working towards getting those resources, typically for some of the older services, get modeled in a way such that Cloud Control API supports them, right? And so that's essentially the reason why there is a subset today. And our plan is, as, as I briefly mentioned, like in the next couple of months and in the coming months, you'll see more and more resources from these older services getting added onto Cloud Control API. And in the fullness of time, our, our goal here is to obviously to get this out to our customers at the earliest because we recognize that this is absolutely critical to their success. But in the fullness of time, we will be having a, a full parity with all the resources supported on CloudFormation registry. Fantastic. And look, it sounds like the velocity is there to make that happen. So uh, it, it's a it's a question of when, not if. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Rahul, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and sharing that with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to. And Jay, thanks for sharing your perspective. Super valuable. Thank you so much, Simon. It's been a pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Links in the show notes. And of course, we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time. Keep on building.